Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's time to do this once again. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we take a look at illegal immigration's effect on livestock. There is a chance that diseases could be moving across the border with all of the illegal immigration we've had recently. We'll check in with the Texas Animal Health Commission to see what the chances are of that actually happening. We'll have that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Transpecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Texas High Plains can certainly be called cattle country. But sheep and goats can also work well here. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Turkey availability for Thanksgiving, and what consumers will be paying for those birds. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A visit to the coffee shop gives most of us a pretty good look at how the local ag economy is going, but now there's an official survey to tell us. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in my report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Illegal immigrants could put livestock in Texas at risk for diseases, but that threat is currently low, according to Texas State Veterinarian. In September, more than 10,000 illegal immigrants overwhelmed officials and residents in Del Rio. That surge opened the border to a potential for disease exposure. Dr. Andy Schwartz is Texas Animal Health Commission's state veterinarian and executive director. He says the concern is over animal diseases like African swine fever. I know there is um, foot and mouth disease. That's the, the the most scary disease, and there there is some FMD or foot and mouth disease in in South America, where some of these individuals were for some time. But again, we just feel like with the passage of time, they likely would not have brought that virus uh, with them. Um, we're we're not aware that they were bringing any animals with them. It would have been just on their you know, their clothing or in the in the foodstuffs they we, that they brought. You know, where they, we were concerned about the that disease threat. Other diseases monitored by the Animal Health Commission include tuberculosis, brucellosis, and cattle fever ticks, diseases that could bring significant disruptions to the livestock industry here in the state and across the nation. The state's largest farm organization is recognizing Texas young farmers and ranchers. Three Texas couples are being recognized by the state's largest farm organization for their innovation and dedication to agriculture. The finalists in this year's Texas Farm Bureau Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher competition are Travis and Kaylin Isbell of Florence, Travis and Bethany Wenerek of Orange Grove, and Austin and Rachel White of Vernon. The Isbells raise commercial cattle, stalkers, and dorper sheep. 
The Winorics grow cotton, corn, sorghum, and wheat. The Whites have a cow-calf operation, run stalker cattle, and grow hay, wheat, and cotton. The winners of this year's contest will receive the keys to a brand-new three-quarter-ton diesel pickup truck, among other prizes. The winner and runners-up will be announced at the Texas Farm Bureau Annual Meeting in Corpus Christi, December 3rd through the 5th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. FiberMax and Stoneville cotton growers can harvest more than just great yields with their 2021 cotton crop by applying to join BASF's FiberMax One Ton Club and Stoneville Legacy Club. The two clubs recognize FiberMax and Stoneville cotton growers dedicated to growing high-quality, high-yielding cotton and are now open for application submissions. If you'd like to apply, visit FiberMax.com OTC or stoneville.com slash lc. The Texas High Plains can certainly be called cattle country, but James Hunt tells us sheep and goats can also work well there. When we think of raising livestock in our area, we instinctively think cattle, but sheep and goats can definitely work here, according to Dr. Tim Steffens. This country was used for small ruminants before it was used for cattle, if you look at history. There were herders out of New Mexico that came up into the Canadian River Basin back before even Texas was a nation. And so, yes, it's very well suited. Really, this should be certainly the sheep country and probably the goats could be too in Texas. It's fabulous cattle country, but it's better sheep country. Dr. Steffens is a range management specialist with West Texas A&M and Texas A&M AgriLife. When he refers to our area as having suitability to be sheep country, he points out that sheep can get by with less water than cattle and also will eat types of forage that cattle won't. But although there are people who raise sheep and goats in the Texas High Plains, Dr. Steffens believes there are four factors that keep small ruminants from becoming more popular here. One is we're not fenced, by and large, for sheep or goats in this part of the country. Another is there's just not a culture of people who know or have interest in sheep or goats. I think we have a little bit, we've got places we can sell sheep and goats, but not in the numbers that a big operator would tend to do, and those places are quite a ways off. And then I think there's just a hesitancy in a lot of people because it's unfamiliar. We'll hear more from Dr. Steffens in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. How will rising food prices and supply issues affect turkey availability this Thanksgiving season? Tom Nicoletti has an answer. To talk more about uh, the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday and uh, the availability and prices of uh, the big bird, we're going to talk with Beth Breeding. She is Vice President of Communications and Marketing with the National Turkey Federation. And Beth, talk about the, the availability of turkeys for this Thanksgiving. Are there going to be enough for consumers around the country? Thanks, Tom. We absolutely think that there are going to be turkeys available for consumers. There's no reason to anticipate widespread shortage of turkey products, so you'll have plenty for your table. 
I have heard that some of the mid-sized turkeys may be in short supply due to the labor shortage around the country on turkey farms. What are you hearing about that? That might be the case in some instances. Since labor has been a challenge at times throughout the year, I know that sometimes turkeys were having to stay on the farm a little bit longer than normal, which results in a larger bird. But I think we're still going to see quite a variety of turkey sizes. And if there is one that a consumer is really interested in, a very specific size, shopping early and planning ahead is the best way to get it. There's no doubt that food prices, including turkey, are on the rise. However, we have not necessarily seen a huge shift in what consumers are going to be paying at retail in the grocery store for turkey. Any average prices of uh, turkeys out there that you can share with us? I've seen retail featured prices ranging anywhere from around 50 some cents a pound up to 99 cents a pound and maybe a little bit higher. That is Beth Breeding. She is with the National Turkey Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Rising input prices have farmers concerned, according to an official report of Farmer Sentiment. Barry Mahler takes a closer look at the latest report. Many of us who live in an ag community get a regular update on how things are going in the ag economy by visiting with farmers and ranchers at the local coffee shop. The talk gives a pretty good indication of whether things are looking up or there are clouds on the horizon. And looking through the current ag news, I now find there's an official barometer for the industry called the Index of Future Expectations and the Index of Current Expectations. And by comparing the two, we're supposed to be able to tell if producers find the glass half full or half empty. It's an interesting interesting read, and I enjoyed comparing it to local expectations here in North Texas. The official survey is done by Purdue University each month by telephone interviews with 400 farmers. The report covers several areas, so let's look at a few. There is a decline in farmer sentiment in the last reporting month, that would be for October, that seems to be driven by concerns of rising input prices. And that seems to be very much like the local opinion. The index declined by six points in October, mainly fueled by increased fertilizer prices, which will cut farmers' markets. And we're seeing similar concerns here with wheat planting wrapping up with a lot less fertilizer being applied than usual. The Farm Capital Investment Index actually rose in October by three points, although it's still by 50 points lower for the year, mainly due to the lack of equipment available to purchase right now. Many farmers are not really more optimistic about equipment availability now, but just less pessimistic than a year ago, maybe. Once again, I find my local group pretty much in agreement. The survey showed a one point rise in farmland values as compared to a year ago, and recent sales seem to back up that higher number. The local guys are also optimistic on farmland values, but seem to agree that the increase is not really brought on by farmers buying land to farm, but land being sold for other purposes, like expansion of urban areas. Rental rates continue to climb both nationwide and back at home, due in part to higher commodity prices in 2020 and in 21. Farm carbon sequestration is a hot topic, both nationwide and at home with the survey showing a 29% increase in producers having information that there might be opportunities out there. But very few of the respondents have taken any action to get something in place, and that also equals the local situation, as there seems to be a lot more questions than answers right now. All in all, an interesting read and something I'll be following in the future to give me a better idea of what producers are seeing and how it compares to our own area. This is Barry Mahler reporting from Wichita Falls for Texas Ag Today. 
Texas hunters can help families in need in their communities. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And for almost two years now, we've dealt with concerns over COVID-19 moving from animals to people. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There have been some concerns over the last couple of years about COVID-19 moving from animals to people. Dr. Bob Judd says a recent study shows the likelihood of that is very low. The study was performed by the USDA Agricultural Research Service to determine if farm animals can become infected with COVID-19 virus. This is important because if livestock could become infected, they could potentially transmit the virus to people and potentially the virus could be transmitted through animal products. Fortunately, a report on the research over the last one and a half years indicates that farm animals do not become infected with the COVID-19 virus. The research found that eggs and live poultry, cattle, swine, and even mosquitoes, ticks, and flies were not able to replicate the virus and spread it to people. Of all the animals studied, only white-tailed deer were susceptible to the virus. And even though the deer did not get sick, they quickly spread the disease to other deer and potentially could spread to humans. This is something to consider as deer season begins this fall. This ARS report did not study companion animals, but an AVMA report stated that dogs, cats, ferrets, and Syrian hamsters have been found to have the SARS-CoV-2 virus. These species are not easily infected under natural conditions but there is no evidence infected dogs or cats can spread the virus to other animals or to people. Symptoms noted in animals that do become infected include labored breathing, lethargy, sneezing, nasal and ocular discharge, vomiting, and diarrhea. We can test for the SARS-CoV-2 virus in animals, but it is rarely done as most dogs and cats respond with supportive care, so it is generally not cost-effective to test these pets. The CDC does recommend not housing infected pets in an immediate space with people that are increased risk of becoming infected with COVID-19. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas hunters can help families in need in their communities. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. This fall and winter, Texas hunters have an opportunity to lend a helping hand to families in need in their community. Jamie Olson, Director of Policy and Advocacy for Feeding Texas, joins us with more on Hunters for the Hungry. Hunters for the Hungry is a program that allows hunters all over the state of Texas to donate venison through local participating meat processors. That venison gets sent to our food banks, which get it out to people in need. Whitetail and mule deer donations should be legally tagged and field dressed before being dropped off at a participating processor. 
protein is essential for a healthy diet. And protein is also one of the most expensive items for our food bank to source. And you're right, you know, we don't get it donated very often like we do canned goods or other non-perishable items. So Hunters for the Hungry really provides healthy, lean protein to families in need at zero cost to the food bank. So it's really a win-win for all involved. There is no cost to hunters to donate their deer to the program. However, donations are accepted to help cover the costs of processing. And there's a few ways to donate monetarily to the program. If you are a hunter, when you buy your hunting and fishing license, there's a checkoff box to donate to Hunters for the Hungry. You simply just check the box and choose the amount that you'd like to donate at the time of the purchase of your license. For those of you who aren't hunters, you can visit feedingtexas.org and there's a button to click to donate directly on our website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. So how did all the markets trade on Wednesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org slash stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw live cattle close higher Wednesday due to a vigorous rate of slaughter and packers running through their cattle inventory. December live cattle were up 50 cents to 132.22. February live cattle up 30 cents to 136.40. April live cattle up 47 cents to 140.27. That vigorous rate of slaughter did help support feeder cattle markets on Wednesday as well. However, the January contract did close lower, perhaps due to some pressure from the corn markets, which did rally on Wednesday. November feeder cattle up 42 cents to 156.07. January feeder cattle down 35 cents to 158.92. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's an auctioneer report because I know you love the livestock market business. Riley Rhodes does also Riley Rhodes Live Oak Livestock Three Rivers. How was your Monday sale, Riley? Ended up with 1,534 head, a uh, handful of pairs from 725 to 1150, uh, quite a few bred cows from six and a quarter up to 10 and a quarter. Uh, Packer cows, a high yielding uh, good cows, 56 to 64. Your breakers, 52 to 58. Canners, 20 to 44. Packer bulls, 80 to 88. On your high yielding bulls, 58 to 80. On your low to medium yielding bulls, 
two to three weight choice steers, 156 to 184. Heifer mates, 128 to 146. Three to four weight choice steers, 148 to 172. Heifer mates, 122 to 140. Four to five weight choice steers, 136 to 160. Heifer mates, 118 to 134. Five to six weight choice steers, 128 to 152. Heifer mates, 116 to 130. Six to seven weight choice steers, 124 to 144. Heifer mates, 112 to 126. Uh, seven to eight weight uh, choice steers, 122 to 136. And the heifer mates, 110 to 122. So uh, got along good. Just like I said, had a little softer tone to it. You know, it would. Uh, I think when things uh, get maybe if we get a little rain, get uh, people start turning some of these cattle out on winter pasture, it'll, it'll soften. You know, it'll it'll kind of pick up some speed in spots. Going to sell on both sides of Thanksgiving holiday, right? Yes, sir. We'll have a sale next week, uh, the twenty second, and then we will have one uh, the Monday after Thanksgiving too on the 29th. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Three six one eight one three six six five zero is the cell. Three six one seven eight six two five five three is the office. Liveoaklivestock.com is the webpage. We appreciate you, Riley. Thank you. And neighbor, thank you most of all for coming down the lane and having that glass of iced tea with us. We'll do it again tomorrow on Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. All right. Thank you, Larry. November Class 3 milk down 9 cents to 17.88. December Class 3 milk down 9 cents to 17.12, a hundredweight. We saw some triple-digit gains for cotton futures, and at at least one point in the day, cotton was trading up to 300 points higher. The futures did close a little bit below that high, though. December cotton up 172 points to $1.19. March cotton up 179 points to $1.16. December corn up four and a quarter to 5.75 and a quarter. March corn up four to 5.81 and a half. December hard red wheat was up 13 and a quarter to 8.34. March hard red wheat closed up 13 and three quarters to 8.36 and a half. December crude oil down $2.25 to 78.51 a barrel. January crude oil down $1.98 to 77.76 a barrel. The Dow, S&P 500, and the Nasdaq all closed lower on Wednesday. Analysts say that that could be because investors are worried about early rate hikes by the Federal Reserve after strong retail earnings reports that we've been seeing this week. The Dow was down 162 points Wednesday to 35,979. The S&P 500 down 8 to 4,692. The Nasdaq down 40 to 15,932. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.